Uh, we are doing, we're starting a series this morning and it's just going to be an introduction. I'll get you to stand in a second just because you've been sitting for a long time already and I don't want you to fall asleep while I preach. It's always hard to go home on Sunday afternoons when you've put a few people to sleep. Um, so I'll get you to stand in a second. But the new series is about, uh, we, we, we're looking always at the centrality of the gospel and we feel like as a church we, we probably get uh, the justification aspects of the gospel that Jesus has died for us and that the grace of God has been demonstrated and that we are saved by the grace of God, not by our own works. And that we, we feel like we get that, um, we, we're increasingly getting that well and applying it to things. But, you know, in a weird way, King's Cross's logo uh, is a cross because that's kind of the symbol of Christianity. But there's questions about whether it ever should be this, the, the symbol of Christianity because the, Jesus isn't on the cross. Uh, he was raised to life. So the symbol of Christianity really should be kind of two circles of like an open tomb with a, a, a stone rolled away. That should be the symbol of Christianity everyone wears around the neck and all the churches have on their buildings. We should just, the cathedrals should just have two circles on every rooftop. Um, and because that's the, and that's the aspect of the gospel we don't get so well is the resurrection of Jesus and how that affects our lives and the life that we can expect to have. And so we're just kind of intentionally focusing on the new life that we have. We've done a, just done a series through Acts on the new life we have in the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit comes and He helps us to live for God. And now we're looking kind of at how does this affect uh, our, our bodies, our beings, our, and you know, we're going to be eternally human. And this series is called Eternally, hum, eternally Human. What does that mean for us now that we're going to be eternally human um, and how should we look at that? So it, it doesn't nullify the cross. It's, it's saying, hey, there's the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and the return. How does all of that affect how we live inside these flesh and bones today? So it's going to be, a, a, this morning is really just going to be an introduction. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be terribly long or complicated. Uh, and then through the weeks, we're going to pick up on different topics and look at things that our culture is questioning. So sexuality, gender, we'll, we'll pick up on those things and look at it from an eternal perspective. What does it mean that Jesus has been raised in a human body? And what does it mean for us as Christians engaging in a culture that's always in flux? Um, and so we'll pick up on that through the weeks. Uh, so why don't you stand quickly? I'm going to pray for us. Just stand to stretch your legs. You don't have to stand. Um, if you've been standing and you're tired of standing, why don't you sit? Um, if you've been doing both, why don't you lie down? And once again, just re uh, reiterating Brian's invitation, if you'd like to taste the future, why don't you join the AV team? <laughs> Let me pray for us. Father God, we're so grateful uh, to be in this beautiful nation that is secular, and yet we're able to freely gather and worship you. We thank you for that freedom. In some ways, God, we want to, in some ways, honor the government uh, for allowing the freedom of worship. More than that, over that, we want to honor you, the King of Kings, who's over every authority and power, who will be worshipped, whether it's legal or illegal, you will always receive worship. And often we see the harder it gets, the more, the more you are worshipped. So I pray, God, that you'd also help our ease of gathering, our freedom of gathering, not to be so familiar to us that we lose the, the beauty of gathering, the joy of gathering, the privilege of gathering. God, I pray for those who are visiting with us this morning that you would bless them, 
It's so hard to walk into a church where people know each other so well. It's intimidating. It's scary. Um, I pray, God, you'd bless them. For those, God, who are part of this body, it's so hard as we stand on each other's toes and rub each other the wrong way. It gets harder and harder to continually uh, bear each other with love and continually pour uh, the debt of love out on, on each other. I pray, God, that we would uh, love each other well in the name of Jesus. I pray everyone who's gathered this morning would have a sense of the Holy Spirit with us. If there's anyone here who doesn't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, may you open up their hearts to know that they are deeply and profoundly loved by you, God, in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Won't you grab your seats? Um, we're not going to read a text this morning simply because of time, not because the text isn't important. Uh, it is a thematic sermon series. It's not an expositional one, but you really should take the time to go read 1 Corinthians 15 a few times. It kind of forms the foundation of all of this type of thinking. Paul argues logically there in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then our faith is worthless. In fact, Paul goes, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, we are to be pitied of all people. We are to be most pitied. Um, so the resurrection of Jesus is not a thing that can be kind of, you know, it's not important whether you believe in it or not. Paul goes, if he hasn't been raised from the dead, we, we who believe are to be totally pitied out of all people in the world. Now, there's, there's a whole bunch of people who face incredibly difficult situations that, that are worthy of being pitied. Paul says we are, to be, we are more worthy to be pitied if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. So the resurrection of Jesus is a major. Go read 1 Corinthians 15, um, and you'll just get your, get your head and your heart around the logic of Paul's uh, argument there. It's a, it's a great text, and we'll get into it throughout this series. In almost all religions and philosophies, interestingly, in almost all religions and philosophies, the goal is to get out of the human body. It's an odd goal, Right? Why do we want to get out of the human body? But in almost all religions and philosophies, that is the goal, to get rid of the body. So whether it's a philosophy like atheism, that's like, you know, or, uh, agnosticism even, that's religion, philosophy, you know, you die and you become nothing. Atheism is like you are just a decaying uh, mass of molecules. You're just a bundle of scientific data that's falling apart, you know. And so when, you, when you're done, you're done, and you just become dust and... But then you get to the religions as well, and the, and the religions want to enter this type of, the, the utopia is to have your spirit separated from your body, uh, because your body is a limitation. Your body is just materialistic. Your body is kind of an anchor to this world, and, and the real goal is to be separate from that. You can't, really, uh, you can't really die, think of Buddhism, you can't really stop existing until you can be totally separated from a body, a mass. And so the Christian view is a remarkable view that Jesus puts dignity on the body and says, no, you're not, you're not, the goal is not to be a decaying mass that just stops existing. The goal is not to separate you from your body. In fact, what's going to happen is your body is going to be raised back to life and fully redeemed in ways that you don't even know. In other words, Jesus goes, not only is the body good, you are going to get a massive upgrade. I mean, I'd love the upgrade now. Yeah. But <laughs> that, so Jesus' view is very different um, to almost all philosophies and religions. Uh, Jesus has uh, this redemptive view of the body. And so there's this, this view that Jesus has, God created it, 
Yes, it's corrupted in sin, but it's still part of God's redemption plan. That's why Jesus came in body, because God still wants to redeem the body, um, which is really exciting, and you'll see why through the weeks. Um, Christians sometimes get stuck in worldly philosophies and religions because secular, se- this, our secular culture, wherever you go, whether it's billboards, TV shows, educational institutions, schools and universities, workplace conversation, coffee shops, you're constantly being bombarded by a cultural narrative that nullifies the value of a redemptive body. So what happens is, John Stott says, our culture blinds, deafens and dopes us. It's this constant background noise that shapes our thinking, feeling, and seeing. So we start thinking what's normal is all the stuff. But what you think is normal is because you've heard it a hundred times on the radio and the TV and the billboards. And the, so you start thinking, oh, that's the normal way of life. And so that happened to the Corinthians as well. The, the Corinthians were starting to think that about the body too. Uh, kind of this nullifying of the resurrection of the body. And so Paul he goes after these Christians as well. So it's not kind of a, a new thing. The, the, some of the, those Christians in Corinth were going, you know, the stomachs, the food's made for the stomach, the stomach's made for food. And Paul kind of counteracts that to go, no, that's rubbish. It's not that binary. Because if it is, if your body just, just use it for what it, what, it, what it means is, do whatever you want with your body. And that's our cultural narrative. Just do whatever pleases you. Have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. Kill whoever you want to kill. Now, maybe we don't allow for killing by law, but you can use your body to do harm to others. And, and Paul argues against this. Uh, he's like, you know, Jesus has been raised from the dead. What we do with our bodies matters. You don't just run around doing what you think, you, whatever is pleasing, whatever you think is right, is right. Um, so it's a wonderful view that we get taught over here. Your body is now and eternally significant. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, he says, If Christ has not been raised up from the dead, your faith is futile. Futile. Something that is futile is hopeless. And you are still in your sins. I mean, that's what we celebrate every single week. And mostly we connect our, our forgiveness to what Jesus did on the cross. You have died for us. We have been freed by the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. We thank you for what you achieved on the cross. Paul goes, if he has not been raised from the dead, you're still in your sins. And Paul's logic there is, he has been raised from the dead. That's why we can celebrate that we have been freed from our sins. So there's three things I want to look at quickly this morning. Number one, God created your body. Number two, Jesus owns your body. And number three, you are going to get a major upgrade. Some of you don't think there's anything that can be upgraded. <laughs> Some of you think there's nothing, you're, what you're starting out with isn't good enough to get an upgrade. Both of you are wrong. God loves you and your body, and you're going to get an upgrade. So, God created your body. So, the first thing we learn about the human body in the Bible is that God created it. So, we turn to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, and there we find that um, God creates uh, man and woman, male and female, and he creates the human form. And then the second thing we find out about it is that God loves it, is that God looks at, upon it and he says, oh, that's very good. Now that's important here. What does it matter 
It matters a whole bunch. Because God, our almighty creator, the one who's sustaining history, the one who puts planets in alignment, the one who's also involved in all the tiny little atoms, loves the form that is created. And it's a little bit like this. My wife creates meals for us frequently, every day. And she is an amazing cook. Many of you have eaten her food, and a lot of people have joined our community groups over the years because they've said they, join, they come for her cooking. And, you know, hopefully they get to Jesus, but I don't blame them. (laughs) Us, my children and I, have been raised on her food. And so, you know, 20 years for me, their whole lives for them. We're not as familiar with how good it is because it's, it's just like our normal daily bread. And so what happens is, because we're still sinful, we can eat her delicious food that was made with love and effort without gratitude. And so we eat it in, you know, it takes her an hour to make it after work. It's done with love. She presents it beautifully. She doesn't just uh, pack it on a plate. She, she then presents it. Then we sit down, demolish it in 10 minutes. And then I start ordering it. You pack up, you wipe, you clean, you dry, you, oh, thanks, let's go. And sometimes she gets her feelings hurt. Because what's been missed is the value of, of this creation. It, it wasn't just for survival. If it was for survival, you can just throw a bunch of food on the table and you just kind of eat it like animals. It was presented with love, and it deserves that we, it should be that we join her in valuing and seeing the beauty of what she's done. And we might even go, thank you so much. Really grateful for the effort that you put in. Thanks for how you've loved us and demonstrated that, that to us through this meal. Now, in the same way, and, and hopefully, I, I, I shared it that way in a, in a way that hopefully you feel a little bit protective over her to kind of be like, yeah, you guys should be more grateful. Um, and we should. I, I, I mean that. But that's the same as our, the, our perspective of the human form, the, our bodies. God loves what He has made. He's the Creator who put in time and effort and did it with intentionality. And He loves what He has done. And He has given to us this gift of a human form. He's he's given it to us to love it, to enjoy it, to look in the mirror and be like, God, thank you so much for giving me a being. But many of us don't. Many of us look and just see the flaws. I'm to this. I'm to that. I wished I was this. My body's broken. I know, you know, some people talk about when they get older, their body starts breaking down. Man, for me, it was like after 40 it's like I started running, chasing after one of my kids, and my legs didn't want to move. And it's like, my mind is like down there, and my legs are like still over here, and something's going to break if I carry on. There's a separation of the two. It was tragic. It is tragic. Not was. It continues to be tragic. Every day I discover new things I can't do anymore. It's like it's, it's a steep down. Other people are figuring it out as well. That's age. Some, some people have sickness. Some people are suffering with chronic pains, illnesses. We can carry on. These are, because of the fall, we are not perfect forms. Because of the, the fall, our God-given bodies are suffering. It's not all, uh, what is it, beer and Skittles, my friend Malcolm used to say. It's not all beer and Skittles. Don't kid yourself. When you're 90 years old, my, my one grandparent uh, on NASA's side, thankfully, because they're not genetic on my side, <laughs> Uh, he's losing body parts all the time. 
He's lost a leg and fingers and, I, I mean, I, honestly, he's half the man he used to be. <laughs> if he just sits there pretending to be, everything's all right. He'd be kidding himself. Now, his is visible. For us, it may be mental, emotional, uh, pain that no one else can see but you endure. Let's be realistic about it. But we are still hopeful because Jesus says we are going to be redeemed. Our bodies are going to be redeemed. They're going to be restored. So, yes, while we're dealing with flawed and broken beings, there's still hope that God is going to restore these flawed and broken beings. We'll get to that in a little bit. So we can be grateful. We can be realistic. Number two. Maybe I'll just pause it just a quick second to say, is this how you feel about your body? Because we do live in a Western culture that puts a lot of focus on the human form, on the body. We live in Perth. Perth is the most sexualized uh, culture. Uh, not Perth, sorry. Australia is the most sexualized country in the world. So there's a lot of pressure on the human form, on the body. Do you see your body as a gift from God, as a good thing? Flawed, not a perfect gift. It's a flawed gift because of the fallen nature, but something that you can have hope within. If you don't, then you have an opportunity to just, just repent and ask God to help you see your body as He does and help you see other people's bodies as He does. Um, okay, Jesus, number two, Jesus owns your body. Let me read out a few things. You do not belong to you. You are not your own. You do not belong to yourself. Your body is not yours to do whatever you want with it. How do those sentences sound to you? Are they, are they a little bit jarring? Do they sound like something you'd read on a billboard? Sound like something uh, you would, I don't know, hear in a coffee shop of people or an Instagram. Can you imagine an, in, an influ, Instagram influencer being like, hey, oh, I just want to remind you, you're not yourself. I mean, you don't belong to yourself. I don't belong to myself. Does that sound like someone who's going to get a lot of likes? I don't even remember what, it's, what you're supposed to get nowadays. Likes? Is likes still a thing? Yeah. Likes? Followers? Clout? Clout. Uh, I don't know about you, Tilly. Are you on, are you on, you're probably as bad as I am on social media. Yeah. Okay, whatever it is, you're not going to get a lot of it by these types of slogans, right? Do you know where this comes from? It is. It does come from the Bible. Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, you, he's talking to Christians. So if you're not a Christian, um, you are your own, and that's the bad news. Be, because you can't save yourself. You, you, the good news is there's someone who's willing to, to, who's paid the price to take ownership of you and restore you. Um, but if you are a Christian, Paul says, you are not your own. In the ESV, in the Amplified, he says, you are not your own prop- uh, it says you are not your own property, which is a helpful way of, of thinking about it. If you, you think about your property, if you own your house, you can do things to it that you want to do. You, you just, you know, if you want to pin up a, a picture, you just grab a hammer and a nail and you, you make a hole and you put up the picture. If you want to plant something in the garden, you just go out with a shovel and dig it and put it in. And, but if you're renting, you don't do any of that. Because you have to undo all of it. Someone else's. You have to get permission for everything, right? Um, and, and the Bible teaches you, you're not your own property. Jesus owns you. In other words, 
you kind of need to get his permission for how you want to use your, your body. He's taken ownership. He's bought it with a price. He's going to restore it and redeem it. Um, it's valuable to him. And so Paul continues through his teaching uh, to say there's these two kind of directions. One direction is that we have become part of his body. So there's unity that we have with Christ. That's the one kind of teaching he gives us. You've been united with Christ, which is wonderful to know that you're, you're part of Christ. Already there's like this eternal perspective that you and I, everyone, that's why we have this dignity. We've all been united with Christ. We're all equal. There's no one who's more important. Someone said the head pastor this morning. We don't have a head pastor in this church because we're all being united with Christ. Um, whatever, you know, someone with more gifting or less gifting or more money or less money or more education or less education, none of that matters. We've all been united with Christ. But then Paul also says in a, in a way, he goes, but Christ has also been united with you. And through the giving of the Holy Spirit, it's that Christ comes to live in your body. So it's not just this kind of, you know, existential, I have meaning because I am in Him some, in some way I don't understand. But, but it gets grounded theologically in, yes, but He is in you in every practical way you can imagine. In other words, how are you going to use His feet today? How are you going to use His hands? How are you going to use His eyes? How are you going to use His lips? You team up with God through the Holy Spirit to walk out what He has for you in your being. Do you pass on love? Do you pass on grace? Do you pass on kindness? Do you, if you need to, move your eyes off of something? Do you, if you need to, turn your ears away from something? Do you, if you need to, close your lips and not say something? Or, or maybe with courage, open your lips and say something? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? That He owns our bodies. And so we don't, that's the Bible talks about. If you see your brother in sin, go over to him and, and tell him so. Warn him. What are we warning? We're not going across. Uh, hopefully, you know, Josh doesn't come across and go, Mark, you absolute foolish idiot. Stop doing that. Now, that would probably be fair, but that's not how he needs to do it. What, he, what it's more like is coming over and going, Mark, I know that you want to live for Jesus. I know you want to glorify Jesus and honor Jesus. And I don't know what's going on in your life. If you're stressed or uh, burdened or tired or you've just lost scope, but, but I noticed this thing, what's happening? Can I help you? Can I pray with you? But, you? but I need to call you away from that. That's not what Jesus has for you. We, we call each other back to the path that Jesus has for us. We follow in His footsteps. We're becoming more and more like Jesus through the Holy Spirit all the time. We fight for each other. We win each other back. I know a couple of guys went fishing last night. Sadly, I heard they caught a bunch of sharks. That's terrible in the ocean. That's awful. That's got nothing to do with the sermon. But the point is that they were out there fishing to get something. In a sense, we go fishing for each other when we see each other. I want to, I want to catch you, I want to fetch you, and I want to draw you back to hope. And, and that's called repentance. We go, oh yeah, I see it. God, forgive me. And we come back. And so we call to live for Jesus in our bodies. Jesus owns us. Our bodies are not our own. And then thirdly, And, and so, sorry, the point there is that it matters how you use your body. Thirdly, then, it's you are going to get a major upgrade one day. Paul says, you know, Jesus wasn't raised. Um, he says if Jesus wasn't raised, then our faith is a waste of time. But if Jesus was raised, 
and he was raised, Paul says. And it was, it's interesting because at the time of the, that he wrote to Corinth, um, he had, Jesus had, there were still people alive who Jesus had shown himself to. So Paul says, here's the chronology of Jesus was raised and then he appeared to so-and-so and then so-and-so and then so-and-so and then so-and-so and then 500 or, or hundreds of so-and-sos, most of which are still alive today. That, in, in other words, if you're not sure about this, go chat to them. They saw him. And so, you know, we don't get that privilege, but it's, it's like this, this, Paul's like, you know, don't take my word for it. Just go chat to any of the hundreds of people who saw Jesus raised from the dead. He, he, he wants it to be a no-brainer, something people live on. They, they don't, they're not thinking about it anymore. It's happened. And then Paul says this, okay, once you've settled that, go, go settle it, figure it out, and, and settle it once and for all because you need to move on to the joy of what, what's coming. You, you need to know what's happening. And then Paul writes this. He goes, your perishable body will become an imperishable body. So all of us have perishable bodies. Our bodies are, are decaying, right? Sadly. But they're going to be upgraded to imperishable bodies. We have dishonorable bodies. They're going to become glorious bodies. It's, it's, it, I don't even know how this works, but if there's quite a few times in the Scriptures that illuminate what glorious bodies will be like, both in the Old Testament and the New. And throughout, the consistency is there's a sense of glowing about them. There's a brightness about them. Here's all I know, is that because of the nature of sin, we see so dimly what God made originally, and we think that whatever, you know, whatever the best version is of humanity now is like as glorious as it gets. You know, like, I don't know, symmetry. Wow, that person is so symmetrical. <laughs> or so gifted. There is a whole level of humanness that, that none of us have seen because we've see, only seen life without the lights on. There's a glowingness to humanity. Where you are so glorious, you shine. You, you, now, you know, sometimes we see someone and they go, you're positively glowing. And what we mean by that is your eyes are sparkling. It looks like your skin is youthful and radiant. Your hair is like the, perfectly between oily and dry. <laughs> all the ladies understand this. Some of the guys, not so much. Steve, not at all. <laughs> Just joking. I was going to pick on Ant, but he always gets picked on, so I just shifted. Shifted the goalposts. says your weak body will become a powerful body. Josh has called himself a powerful unit for years. He is living in the future. He, the Bible calls him a weak unit, but it says that he is going to be a powerful unit, and he's living in the hope of what's coming. And there's nothing wrong with, he's exactly right. In Jesus, he's a powerful unit, still to be discovered. But that's still, we are all going to be powerful units. Our natural bodies will become spiritual bodies. That's not to say not physical bodies. That's to say without the limitations of our now bodies. So Jesus got his physical body raised from the dead, but he walked through walls and appeared and disappeared. That's a, uh, an upgraded spiritual physical form. I'm looking forward to that. You know what hide-and-seek is going to be like with our new bodies? I'm not even sure we'll be able to play it. You could, you could hide for a millennium. Our mortal bodies will be, uh, 
will put on immortal bodies. But this will only occur, Paul says this will only occur when Jesus returns. So at the moment, we're stuck with sin and suffering and sickness and disease and death and brokenness. But when Jesus returns, all of that will be extinguished and a massive upgrade comes. You know, like those of us who use Apple products, when the new iOS comes out, <laughs> we're like just waiting to upgrade. No one here looks like they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Don't worry about it. There's, this, uh, there's a technology company that releases <laughs> upgrades to <laughs> devices and it changes everything overnight. And it's fantastic. And you think, how on earth did I ever live with yesterday's technology? And that will happen in a twinkling of an eye. As Jesus returns and our upgrade happens, we will, we, I don't think we'll think this, but we could think, how on earth did I ever get by with the body I had? Only by God's grace. Wow, those limitations. You know, we, we have the Olympics and that, so we, we think, the, we, we have phrases like the elite athlete. When we have our new bodies, it will be like, you know, kids that can't crawl were our elite athletes in comparison. You get what I'm saying? Is our, our range of what is, is so skewed to what we understand. But in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be released from sin and sickness and disease and death and decay and the limitations of our bodies that we have currently which is exciting. So we have every reason for hope. When I'm sick, I have reason for hope. When I'm decaying, I have reason for hope. When I'm suffering in pain, I have reason for hope. Because I know what Jesus is going to do. Imagine there was, there was someone like my grandfather who, you know, they, let's say they're born without a leg. But they know that in two years' time, just somehow they know, in two years' time, medical science is going to find out exactly how to grow a new leg, and they're going to be given the first one, and we know as a fact that they're going to have two positively, perfectly working legs. How much suffering would change with that hope? The kid, the kid still only has one leg for two years. But the knowledge of what's coming will totally change the experience of waiting. And that's what I'm trying to say. That yes, we're flawed and we're struggling and there's limitations and let's have compassion for those. Within our community, we have great experiences of pain and suffering, chronic experiences of pain and suffering. Let's not lose compassion. Let's not be like, hey, get over it. Jesus is coming back. Let's lean in and understand Jesus experienced pain and suffering so that he could understand with compassion and mercy. But let's not be hopeless and lose sight that Jesus is coming back and there is going to be an end to all of that. So this is how we can respond as I bring this to a close. Number one. Do you appreciate who you are? You, with your limitations, with your pains and sufferings, or with your near-perfect being, do you appreciate who you are? Number two, are you living with humility and confidence? 
Humility being, being don't think too much of yourself. Realize we, are, we do have fallen natures. We, we, at this stage of redemptive history, we do go through death. Unless Christ returns, we will all see that. Be humble about who you are. But don't lose hope. Don't lose confidence. Be confident. God loves you. He came, he came in human form to save who you are, as you are. Number three, do you have compassion for people who wrestle in and with their bodies? And we're going to look at this a lot more through the weeks. That the Christian, the Christian perspective isn't to stand on eternal truth and just point fingers into our culture and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. It's to stand on truth and to lean in with compassion. If someone struggles, and I'm not going to get into this this morning, but with some, someone struggles with their identity, with their gender, with their sexuality, it's not just to point and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, but to say there is an eternal truth. But let me lean in and understand what you're going through, what you experience, knowing that they too have a flawed and broken body. Do you have compassion for suffering and pain? Compassion for people's limitations? Compassion for people's weaknesses? Compassion for those who are confused about their bodies? And lastly, do you have a hope that we'll be restored when Jesus returns? Jesus was restored. He's going to be eternally in a human uh, form. The Son of God came to earth, put on humanity, and was raised to eternal life in human form. It's an amazing truth that Jesus will be that eternally. He will be eternally human. And we will be eternally human. We will not be floating spirits that bounce on clouds. We will not be angels because angels are something and none of you are an angel. We will be eternally human, fully redeemed, as God intended, He created us. We're broken and flawed as we rejected Him. We're born into this brokenness. Jesus, the second Adam, came and redeemed us. He bought us back with the price of the cross. He won back our humanity. And when He returns, He's going to re-gift it to us. Just as in the garden, God created as a gift. Adam found himself as he was. And God said, oh, you're very good. We're going to find ourselves in Jesus as we should be eternally. And it's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be delightful. And there will be no sorrow or sadness or weeping or suffering. And so, you know, sorrow and sadness and weeping and suffering right now should be both real and engaged with and also the springboard to look into the future and go, this too shall end. Oh, it's going to be great when this no longer is something to stay up at night about.